Ambassador Denisha L. Johnson of the African Diaspora Collective USA Incorporated. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, this is going to be a special one because it's rare that we get to have somebody who is doing the work all the way from America in Africa. I have Ambassador Johnson. She's going to give us the game on what she's doing and more importantly, how you can get involved and support the movement and you know change your whole life if you want. Because when we talk about people leaving the States, whether it's for a little bit or permanently, it's freedom, however you want to take it. So welcome to the show, Ambassador. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, I just want to start off with you telling people about your organization and the works that you're doing. I'm sure nobody just gave it to you. And, um, you know, it, it's probably been something of a, a interesting, unique journey. So please give us the game on that. Okay, sure. Thank you. Uh, well, first, my, again, my name is Devisha L. Johnson. I'm the ambassador for the African Diaspora Collective USA Incorporated, representing the United States. Uh, I used to run political campaign. Well, let me not start there. So here in Africa, I'm in Ghana and the body right now. And I moved here in 2021 in May with my two children uh, after running political campaigns in the United States for about six years. I was chief of staff to elected official in Georgia. It was Representative Sandra G. Scott in District 76. For that, I wanted to do uh, architecture, so I went to architecture school. For six years, two at Morris Brown College, HBCU in Atlanta, Georgia, and four at Southern Polytechnic State University, also in Georgia. And, and then I did four years of construction management in Houston, Texas. So I went to Georgia, got into politics, went to school for political science as well, graduated at the same time I was interning. And then I became chief of staff and started running around the country. And I got to know systems and how systems and policies are created to make sure that Black folks don't get ahead. Uh, previous to all of that, when I was a child, I moved to Canada when I was about 10 with my mother and my sister, and I lived there until I was 17. So I've already lived in a foreign country uh, as a child in a place that no one looked like, but nothing but white people. So those experiences in my life from you know, learning and these different career paths that I wanted to take, and then also living in another country. And then going to Georgia at the height of, you know, Atlanta becoming Atlanta in the late 90s, right after Freaknik was over. Uh, celebrities now, huge stars were just getting started. So I kind of came up in a good era in, in North America, uh, which kind of prepared me for being here in Ghana. So I came to Ghana. In 2019, I didn't come for the year of return. Uh, I came to do agribusiness. So in Georgia, before I left to come to Ghana in 2014, uh, I was interested, a friend of mine and I were interested in opening a cannabis dispensary in California. So when I got into politics, 
Uh, I saw how legislation was being created to make sure that Black people could not enter into this industry. So when uh, former President Trump made hemp legal in 2016, uh, I started really getting into it at that point from the policy side, advocacy side, all those types of things. Started a company in 2018 called the Cooperative Executive Management Team that strictly works with Black farmers to educate them on us, educate us on the hemp industry and manufacturing production and those types of things outside of just retail distribution. So that led me to Ghana in 2019. So I came in 2019, did some research before on the industry, knew a little bit uh, a lot about what was going on in the country. They were getting ready to have an election year or I just had an election year rather as well. So there's a lot of different things going on uh, when you get here. So even though my intent was agribusiness, politics is still at heart. So uh, after about six or seven times of coming back and forth, about every 90 days, every quarter I was here in Ghana, started the Ghana investment tour and started bringing people over for business, which took me across the country. So I got a chance to explore Ghana from across the Cape Coast to Hohoi to Bogotanga. Uh, I was everywhere. And I realized that there was so much opportunity in Ghana uh, for Black people just in so many different ways, from the currency exchange rate to being stress-free, like you said before, the sense of freedom, everyone looks like you. You don't realize how heavy the monkey is on your back until you come to Africa and you've been living here for at least four or five months and really understanding what it's like not to not to have to stress about things. So having four kids along the way and moving with the three youngest ones here, I didn't have to worry about where they were going outside, how long they were staying, if they were gonna get shot. I moved over to Ghana from Decatur, uh, Decatur, Georgia. So it's a different type of lifestyle. You have to be a certain type of individual to live and sustain yourself here in Africa because it's not easy. It seems like when people come on vacation, it's great, and everyone's having a good time. But when you hear about the local people saying how they're struggling and the economy's bad and all these other things, it really doesn't hit home until you actually live here and live in it. And even as an American, we're still all impacted by the same things that happen in this country. So last year, I had an opportunity to go to Ethiopia with about 10 different Pan-African organizations. Uh, at the time, traveling, and I had an opportunity to meet with 10 other organizations to talk about the sixth region, which is everyone that's of African ancestry that lives outside the continent of Africa. Okay. That wants, or supporters of those that want to help develop Africa. And so we talked about what it is to be uh, African diaspora and what the AU has done over the last 10 years to actualize uh, the sixth region and the creation of the sixth region. So I met a gentleman, he asked me to be ambassador. That African diaspora union to represent 
United States and Canada, I agreed that the greatest way to make impact to get people to come over here is to make sure that we have some of those same comforts that we, or at least what we suspect are comforts that we have in the United States, which is a sense of security from government. So I realized getting into higher level government was important, but also it had to be for a purpose. I had to have an intent of why I was doing it. So being in the political arena in the United States and then having my own brand management and political consulting company and helping NGOs and nonprofits and startups start their businesses, I've done it for a long time and seen a lot of growth in a lot of different businesses and seen a lot of challenges. So after a couple of months, I decided to leave that post and create the African Diaspora Collective USA Incorporated with uh, four other ambassadors or four other individuals that are now ambassadors as well. And the purpose is to develop the continent of Africa. In each of our respective countries that we are coming from, we either live here on the continent or we're living in our home countries and going back and forth. So the purpose of having 10 ambassadors is that we collectively gather the way the AU and the UN want to see a collective voice. So when the heads of state go to the AFU, Africa Leader Summit and represent their country or some entity, I shouldn't say some one, some entity needed to or, or a group or association needed to represent enough people to have a unified so because I have so much experience in politics, most of the other ambassadors are either former diplomats or worked on Capitol Hill or our heads of chambers of commerce. So we have a need to create collective economic. We went, we decided we were going to formulate a number uh, uh, during the congressional black caucus, Kingdom, the Caribbean, and we were sworn in by the U.S. representative for Washington, D.C., Dr. Oye Awolowo, at the Lincoln Memorial, because he wanted to make an impact on Martin Luther King and his I Had a Dream speech and the fact that we felt the symbolism of getting together and representing our respective countries living in Africa. So that, that is like my backstory and how I got here. Uh, what I'm doing with it is I have three focus areas, which are women and children, agriculture, of course, and uh, youth job creation. So because I have teenage children and an adult child, or an adult rather, uh, I realized that when I was bringing them up, that they were watching me and I've always been an entrepreneur. So with the amount of young people here on the continent, they're it was just a, a no-brainer for me after being here for coming back and forth for four years. So uh, women and girls, obviously, because I was a girl, now I'm a woman. The agriculture, because that's the reason and the roots of why I moved here for my cannabis and hemp business. So since I've been here for almost two years now, uh, I have done a lot of uh, networking with a lot of different people. There's been a lot of people have interest, obviously, from the year of return and beyond the return to come here to Ghana. But with the political winds shifting and things happening, elections coming up in the U.S. and 
in Ghana in 2024 and understanding politics the way that I do, I know that there's going to be an influx of Black people coming to Ghana. So currently, we started the Beyond the Party Initiative, which is a conglomerate of 60 stakeholders that, get, that got together to figure out how we want to collective, how we're going to create a, a collective economic system that those of us that live here on the continent can, like you said, survive and thrive and be successful with either not using the U.S. dollar or creating our own mechanisms within uh, the folks that live here, whether they're local Ghanaians, multinational corporations, or those of us from the diaspora that decided to plant our roots here and live here um, and do business is the basis of the Beyond the Party conglomerate. So we wanted to make sure that in doing all of this, that we have a soft landing for those that are coming from the diaspora. And then even if you don't want to come, just visiting here, you still need help. Because there's usually when people visit, especially in December, there's so many things going on and so many people going on, you're spending exorbitant amounts of money that you really shouldn't be spending because that's not the economy. That also shifts the economy, which then, as I said in the beginning, impacts the people that are living here, right? So I'm saying all that to say that I'm encouraged by having these types of conversations uh, so we can have real understanding of what's going on for December in Ghana or uh, coming here over the summertime. There's so much more going on here and so many, so much more opportunities throughout the year that we want to make sure not only people that not only that people see it, but that they understand it. So as you see it annually, once every December, it doesn't become a reality. But if you can see something happening on a continuous basis in the country, then it gives you more of a reason to come back more often. And then as you come back more often, then you end up coming longer and then you end up staying, which was my path also. So that's my story. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I, I, I love when somebody can just, you know, media train, give that that story. Now, the number one question, I've been going to Africa for, you know, the past 20 plus years, if, I, if I'm honest, maybe longer, right? But people always ask, even Africans who are from there who want to come back, they say, can you, you have an organization that can help me where I can invest some money? Because it's hard to run a business if you're not in you know, Africa. It's hard to run a business if you're not in a certain state, sometimes wherever you are, our city. But does your organization, you know, have opportunities to say, you know, if you want to park your money here or if you want to build a home here, we help with that? Absolutely. So I wouldn't say my organization per se, but we're an NGO, but my private businesses and the network of the Beyond the Party conglomerate, absolutely. So we have a senior citizens community that we're building out in Cape Coast, which is where the Cape Coast Castle is and the dungeons are. So when you see a lot of images and videos and stuff about Ghana, you hear about African-Americans going to the Cape Coast Castle. That's also where a lot of retirees end up settling themselves because it's quiet, it's by the beach, there's not a lot of people around. You know, you've been living your life in America with the hustle and bustle and all these people everywhere, you kind of just watch your feet. 
So we realize there's a large demographic of people that are of a certain age that are coming here or thinking about retiring in the next three to five years or thinking about what's going to happen, like I said, with elections in the next two years, like where am I going to go? So a couple of us got together and decided uh, to buy some land and build a senior community because this past December, uh, my partner and I, Jay Taylor, did a real estate tour. He does tours anyways, but he asked me to help him put together a real estate tour for 60 Americans to come over and check out his development that he's doing in Abri Mountains. Uh, that went exceedingly well, and he's now sold out of most of his one bedroom. So I decided um, that, again, like I said before, creating that opportunity for that level of comfort. So because I have connections in government, and I know a lot of people here in Ghana from the work that I do. I got a three-year partnership agreement with the Diaspora Affairs Office of the President here in Ghana for the real estate summit so they can support what we're doing at Diaspora, trying to get people to invest and uh, make some generational wealth here in the country, also live here as well. And then they agreed to, agree to provide their support also. But then I, in addition to that, um, our organization also got a three-year partnership agreement with Dash for Affairs to do two different women and girls events. So one is in December, uh, one is in October, rather, as you saw with first called the African Women's Empowerment Summit. And then the one in December is called the uh, Holiday High Tea at 16 Regions of Ghana, where it brings all 16 regions of Ghana represented by NGOs and two little girls from each region to come share their culture with those that are visiting from December. So that now you have an opportunity, just like I was explaining before how I was running around the country and I was everywhere. Well, a lot of people don't have time to do that when they're coming in December. So, but I felt like people still needed to realize there's opportunities throughout the country. So my organization organized the NGOs from each region to bring two little girls so they can have exposure to African-Americans. What we sound like and how we how we actually are instead of what they what they think about or see on television stereotype things we can also break down some of those fur and we have tea and you know they do their five minute presentation on their culture so we can get to know each other. So the Astro Affairs has also agreed um, to partner with us for three years for those two events and then we are responsible for giving a report. So how many of us are coming? What exactly are we doing? What type of business are we in? What type of support? Our challenges, all those types of things get to put into an African diaspora, an African-American report for the Diaspora Affairs Office of the President so that they know how our experiences are here. So in doing all of that, I realized to any of several banks about being our banking partner and being our partner of choice because there's so much real estate development happening here. Um, there's so many diaspora coming. We are making institution that provides those that are coming here all of the products that they need to be successful and thrive and sustain themselves here whether they decide to live here or they're just developing here and want to park their money somewhere. Um, as you said, 
And then also those that are not here yet, but they're in America and know they're coming in the next well, four to six months. There's opportunities to open bank accounts with some of uh, banks who too, because we haven't decided yet, but we're creating, our organization specifically, is creating opportunities for people that want to do any level of things in Ghana, whether it's move here, do business here, visit, come back and forth. If you want to just have some business matchmaking, or if you want to just come for a party, if you want to show even different types of people, right, that are, that we are as black people, but also to have different motivations of why they're coming to Africa. But in Ghana here specifically, I think because it's so highly publicized and the year went so well, that it's kind of like the new DR or the new uh, Jamaica or the new, uh, you know, somewhere in the Caribbean that usually can't kill. Somewhere that people usually go because it's close. I think people are now understanding the cultural connectivity to Ghana and a lot of people are coming for that purpose. And then when they get here, they realize, oh, there's so many opportunities. And some people might not be, you know, natural business owners or entrepreneurs, but just see the opportunities here to help someone else because it's like being in a time machine here. It's like being in the mid 80s. So, but everybody has an iPhone. <laughs> so it's kind of like having the, the, the hindsight, having the hindsight, right? To know, like, I can see where the story ends, my friend. So maybe we should do with this collaboration and I can tell you stories about how this your your story in your mind is playing out on how it ends so now that we know how it ends how about we start differently so it's a mindset shift on both sides right I have to adjust myself to understanding the culture here and not assimilating myself so I can stay who I am but also understanding the culture in a way that makes me part of the family that people are comfortable with helping me succeed also. So the other side is, you know, everyone's disillusioned with America and the streets are paved with gold. You can pick money out of trees. You just wake up, there's automatically money in your bank account. It's like living in a video game. Uh, to me, being in America and how people are being an American and having people describe America to me sometimes, I've never been it's like wow is that really what <laughs> you think America is that's so not true but you know one battle at a time so the intent behind the reason why you're coming is important but also those safety nets and cushions that you have and understandings of comfort the process there's several different organizations that are part of the Beyond the Party conglomerate that specifically specialize in those specific industries. And that's why they're part of this collective economics that we are creating. So whatever it is that you want to do, whoever you are and whatever you're into, um, you can find that in Ghana, but you may struggle if, or you may, it may take you a little longer and I can assume it's not just Ghana. Have that local connection to people that are actually genuine, and also the support of you know people from your home country being here as well to have people to bend to. Let's just be real. Um, to have people to talk to in general, 
um, that understand you and where you come from. Because if you don't have that support, understanding, then it's a little difficult to get adjusted. And then some people end up going back to America. Now it's, oh, Africa this and oh, Africa that. So you just have to be, really be mindful of the intent of why you're coming here and be able to pivot and adjust yourself, but still keep your eye on the prize. So you might, you know, go around the bend a couple of times and go around, but as long as you stay focused on the end goal, then it's kind of like a good drive downfield for you know, football game. Sometimes you got Bobby Weave and move from left to the side, but you, you'll, get to, you'll get to the end uh, eventually. And that's how I feel about that. Definitely. And was Ghana your first African country or have you been able to venture out? You know, many of us, including myself, have gotten our citizenships in Sierra Leone and, you know, there's residencies that you can get, you know, um, anywhere. But it was Ghana your first place or, and, you know, have you traveled um, outside? Yeah, so Ghana, I came in 2012 and then since then I've gone to Uganda. Ethiopia and Nigeria. Awesome. So this year I will be in Ivory Coast, Rwanda, Liberia, and Tanzania. I, 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 I love it. I love it. Now, let the people know too, you know, for the, the different businesses you may have because sometimes people think Africa is cheap and it depends on what you mean by cheap. It also depends on how you, like you had mentioned earlier, how you're buying things, because, you know, as a foreigner, anywhere you go, you might get hit over the head, but can you talk about to work with you and your company and get those consulting services, um, what range they should start at? Because I don't want people coming up to you and say, hey, I got $500 or I got 5,000 thinking that they're going to just buy up all your time and doing you a favor and doing Africans a favor. Right, right, right. That, that part. So, I mean, it all depends. But if you want to put a range on it, I would say, and I'll put it in these terms that will best describe how I think most people would understand. And if you're coming here for business, I'll use the government, for example. So if you're coming here for business and you're a foreigner, in order for you to get a registered business here on your own, you have to have $500,000 of assets or capital to bring in for that particular business at minimum. Uh, there are several different processes that you can go to the Ghana Investment Promotion Center, pay $600, you put in their roster, get all the information. Then there's all, all these other hidden fees. Well, they're not hidden. They're there. Um, you just don't know they're there until you get here unless someone tells you. But those things add up as well. If you want to get a Ghanaian partner, then you can You can be a director of a for-profit. That's why most people have NGOs here um, because those are easier to start. So if you want to start a business and you know, you have to spend $500,000 in assets or, or a liquid capital to put into your business, then 10 to 15% of whatever that is, is usually around what we're looking at for uh, the private business partner with Africa to do, to do what you need us to do, depending on what that is, depending on the scope of work. So 
it, all, it just all depends. If you want to come here and do a small farm, like the Diamond Tour, we were uh, charging $5,000, $5,500 to do a one-week tour to go across the country for investment. So if you wanted to invest, you know, 2,500 bucks, that's 25,000 Ghana CDs into a business in the Volta region. And for us to manage that project, then we would charge you, you know, that 500, we would charge you $500 to do something like that. Depending on if you wanted to just invest your money and help someone to answer that part of your question. Um, if you want to do, if you want, if you have a small to medium sized business in the United States, and you're looking to expand, it also depends on what that looks like. If you want to have a branch office or you want to have a second location or you want to have pick up your business and move it from the United States here, um, and we're talking about commercial office space and whatever that looks like, then there's other entities to add into it, like realtors and the same thing you would do if you move from Texas to Atlanta. Um, so those services are provided also through partner with Africa, and those would range anywhere from, you know, $2,500 to, you know, 15000 depending on what size business it is and exactly what you are trying to do and what services that you need. So that are, that's like a very big... ...very general part is, again, your intent of why you then do you want to make you know an impact on generations uh and you have those types of funds or those that type of access to wealth or you want to build towards generational wealth and your middle class in america you are going to have you really don't have the ability to leave your job right now, but you know you don't want to put together yet to leave the well with partner with Africa. Like I said, the, the purpose of the To your point, what is the what is the cost for me to get that done, or how long is it going to take? Well, the money talks at the end of the day. So if you need to go right now and you can afford it, then the retirement community. If you know you want to retire in the next three to five years and you want to. put a couple hundred books down in our bank of choice, uh, which we'll announce soon. Interest rates over here are amazing. It's ridiculous. So there's so many different opportunities for you to park your money, invest your money, uh, do good for people, do good for yourself, and also from the other end. So if you want to come here to create a supply chain, which is what I believe in, and again, with the collective economics, if you want to come here and do a visit and have a MOU with a local business here to supply you, the AFCFTA is something that's dear to my heart that we're talking about uh, in a series that's starting this month with the African New England Chamber of Commerce in 
New England and the Global Research International Institute on Trade uh, with Dr. Sarita Jackson. So we are going to be talking about the African Growth and Opportunity Act and how to get bilateral two-way trade going on with Black neighborhoods in the United States. There are food deserts. There's so much food that is grown here, plentiful, that should be utilized in the, the Algoa to get into America, into these Black neighborhoods. Same thing with the supply chain. Like I said, if someone wants to come over here now, get supplied with shea butter so that they can make their soaps and lotions and oils and stuff in America. Then you can come here, get a partnership, get an MOU signed, and then start applying, utilizing a GOA, and now you're import expert, exporter. And then the AFCFTA is for intra-Africa trade, which is a huge opportunity for movement of good services and people across the continent that is just uh, still kicking off from 20, 2020, or 2021 rather. So there's a lot of different opportunities for a lot of different people. You need to know your intent. You need to know what your budget is. You need to be realistic with your time and, you know, take your time if you can. Okay. Okay. I, I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually, if you have anything for Chambers, um, you know, or any organizations out there to say, this is how you can get involved. I know you have the website that I've, um, I've looked at, but if there's anything more detailed, maybe, um, directed, targeted for Chambers, let me know. I sit on a, a board or two and love, love that because I cannot do it all. None of us can do it all. We need teams to make the dreams happen with unity. We all win is the hashtag. And I love when other folks are serious because, you know, in Ghana and in Africa, there's a lot of people, a lot of us there from America to Australia, but not everybody it comes over there with the right intent. You have a lot of scammers. You got folks selling weed over there too, unfortunately, um, you know, illegally, um, you know, and, and, and when they get caught, they'll be crying um, like, you know, Brittany, whatever, um, saying they need to come home and someone should help them. Can you talk about how, you know, you vetted certain people, whether they were from Ghana or from the States with, you know, having to deal with, you know, I really can't trust any of y'all until I really know you. Cannabis and situation until we leave in a second. But to answer your question, because I've been politics in the U.S. and I've kind of grown. Well, both my father was in the military, and my mother was raised by a military father. So my understanding of protocol and procedures is a little different. So also being in politics and then going to Georgia State University. And graduated with my degree in political science gave me a theoretical and a practical approach to what it looks like to vet someone let's just take it there for a second so when you use the word vetting someone in my mind i'm going through a governmental process of how you would be vetted to get a government job so we're talking about a background check and a and a credit check and references letters all that those types of things don't exist here those types of systems don't exist here. They do, but not in the way that we would understand it or appreciate it. So again, back to the African Diaspora Collective had to create some of those systems so that we as Americans or as the diaspora can have that level of comfort to feel like we can trust you. 
Now, myself, I know a lot of politicians and a lot of people in government. So you don't really, not that you don't need to vet those people, but it's kind of public information. You can find out pretty easily if this one is doing what they're supposed to do, if this one isn't. Kind of the same way you can do in America by just asking people. But the day-to-day, the boat driver and the lady at the market and those types of things, those are cultural things that you have to use the systems that are created here for. So a lot of us that come here have house help. They have the house help goes to the market. They do all the grocery shopping. Because if I try to go to Medina Market and open my mouth as an American, it's automatic tax. Those are not systems that we're accustomed to. We're accustomed to going to the grocery store. We see the price. That's the price. The price is the price. Well, here in Africa and in Ghana, today's price, or yesterday's price is not today's price. Five minutes ago, it was something, it might not be the same thing. So you have to understand how to use the systems here and not necessarily change them. Because a lot of people come here and try to change it. But in America, you know, I can Google you and find out something, something. Here in Ghana, it's a lot of relationship-based business and a lot of very ancestral ties royal families and all those types of things that we just don't understand because we're not brought up in those systems. So once you learn the systems and what I do and what I did specifically and what I would encourage people to do is when they come here is don't just go straight, move to Cantonment or East Lagoon or somewhere where there's little America or someplace where you're so comfortable it's like being directly at home. Venture out and go somewhere and spend some time with regular everyday Ghanaians so that you can really, I spent my whole first year living in Oyibi, which is like 45 minutes to an hour from the city. A, because I wanted my peace is the number one reason. But then B, I didn't really want to be around a lot of people. And then C, I wanted to really understand the culture. Like, what do the everyday folks do? Like the ones that go to work, the nine to five people that were in Cater in Georgia before I moved here. Yeah, I went downtown to the Capitol building every day for four or five years. So I was still in that particular environment where I didn't really have to per se, you know, worry about if this person is this person or this person is that person, they're all politicians. But then when I go home at night and go to Decatur and go past all the people selling weed, as you say, on the corner, I have to wonder and worry and figure out who's who and all that. Those types of things, don't exist because hey, the systems aren't here, but also the people here have a culture of being nice. They like to argue. I think that's just a black thing, but it's generally they want to help each other and no, no other way that I've seen because that's the barrier of understanding that you don't have to trust everyone but you also don't have to do business with everyone or interact with everyone because you're here you can a lot of my people that i know don't really come out of the house they're focused on what they're doing they're staying in the house and they just want their peace like i was saying about the retirement community some people just want to come out here and get their peace so if we do need to vet someone to answer your questions directly um, it depends on where that person's coming from. If they're a local Ghanaian, then there's a process in the system because here, again, it's relationships. But 
if it's also if I'm the person that introduces you to someone and that someone has a problem with you or you have a problem with that someone, you go back to the person that introduced you. And that person is then supposed to alleviate their problem. Like they become the automatic mediator. That's not really the way it works in America. You might meet someone through someone, but if that some person doesn't do what they're supposed to do, you really don't put on, oh, that's big here. So if you want something done and you want someone vetted, then there's a process to go through that, which is talking to other people. There's a hierarchy and where you can go, talking to elders, talking to the chief, all types of things that you can do to probably vet someone depending on what you want to do. I, so I, I love that you I, I, I want you to write um, write a, a book on that alone because what you just described is an it's old school. Um, it's how we grew up. It's how we do business because we do business, especially when you do business like with government and you know people um, who you don't want to piss off because you you want your source of SOTs or your <laughs> RFQs and RFP notifications sometimes you know um, early and not late. Uh, but but that's it's in Hasidic Jews and and and, and uh, many African cultures and cultures understand. Okay, you set this up. This person did me wrong, and so now the community and that's what a lot of us don't have. No matter if you're white, black, or in between in America, is what she's describing. Um, this, th my next question for you, and it's going to be a stretch because I know you're, you're no nonsense, but I know that you have a heart for the people, the way that you, uh, what you're doing, but, you know, outside of the money and the progress that you're making, what is the community give back that you're doing or that you would like to do in the future? Different perception of life. So it's kind of like 
again being in the nineteen in the nineteen eighties, but also for me, it's like if someone would have come to me when I was a little girl in Houston at ten years old and told me that in thirty years you're gonna be in Africa teaching other little girls about politics, teaching other women about politics, doing agriculture, starting businesses, I would have never thought of anything like that at 10 years old. And then going to those other countries and having that type of exposure, if I can provide that level of access of understanding, that your mind can go as far as you want it to, and have the ability to be able to achieve whatever you want to do, being a Black person, wherever you are, if I can put those types of images into into children's minds, these little girls from these different parts of the country that I've been to on business, and I've seen in the environment and understand what that looks like, that's my give back, is to give back the exposure to the experiences that I had through the last 30 years. It might be an event, like the 16 regions of Ghana, which was one day where we got to communicate or the follow-up to that is whatever it needs to be for whoever it needs to be for the intent of whoever's coming here. Because our organization is open to not only those of the African-American diaspora, but those of the African diaspora, period. So if you are of African descent and you have an intent to help someone and you want to make that help tangible, then you can partner with our organization that does what I'm talking about and gets in the minds of those children, but they also provide the day-to-day resources that they need. So we, me personally, I want to be around for the next thousand years in the minds and hearts of my people so that I can feel like the purpose I had on this earth is fulfilled. I, I love it. I love it. You said something though, and I just need this for the record. Because you said, you know, you were in your early 40s and so am I. But um, some people don't some people don't consider us millennials. And I say, yes, we are. We started this thing off. We kicked it off. So I just want that for the record. For, for the record, I'm an 80s baby. First year of the millennial 1981. There you go. So, the beginning. <laughs> There you go. So I just want, I need that for the record for my kids and for my wife who, nah, you, 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 you know, they try to push you into something else. And I say, hold on, you know, you, you got, you guys just don't know. <laughs> but we love those people. And we understand the baby boomers, as a millennial, you came into the new era of everything. When they were old enough to know, but you were born into it. So it's like being born into the iPhone now. It's just a different Gen Z. Now, we talk about Gen Z, how Gen Xers talk, our baby boomers talk about us. Because there's some things we just don't understand about these Gen, Gen Z generation. Lord, Lord help them, is what I say. But that's why we're here as millennials. I feel like we're the bridge, and because we came up in a time where we were old enough to understand Y2K and like this is the beginning of a whole new century, a whole new century. So the our outlook on things and because we were moving quickly from 
80s into the 90s and things are just becoming quicker. Uh, I think we have a fully well-rounded understanding of the past, present, and what our future could be. And we're already, as millennials, we already are thinking about our great-great-grandchildren. So a lot of us weren't thinking past or we would make it past to think about those things. But we as millennials think about those things. So yes, I'm a proud millennial. And that's what it is. Okay, and I, I can't give them too much because um, in our private conversation, I'm gonna, of course, try to push you to YouTube. You know why we connected and we'll, we'll talk off air about that. We are gonna be going to Ghana um, um, in October. Um, paperwork just got signed. Uh, but I, what I want to clear the air because somebody will hear you talk and all your accomplishments and they'll say, oh, well, ambassador, well, th that means, you know, her stuff is all free, subsidized, healthcare. Um, they're probably paying her buku amount of money. So I just wanted to be clear that you're not sitting there on a free ride like you didn't, you know, have to put in some work. rise in life and I don't work for any government so people go back and play back and just caught up now and just now hearing this conversation this was an organization that a couple of us got together and decided that we wanted to start so there's a president named Ian Campbell that's Caribbean American that's in Washington DC used to work on Capitol Hill and he is the president of this organization that appointed me so there I have to go fundraise whatever money I need and there's no free rise up for my own house, my own park, all of these things I pay for. So any support that people want to give, sponsorship for events, part, uh, programs, or initiatives. You still there? Oh, you're on mute. You're on uh you're on mute, it says. But if the connection or something happened with Clubhouse, um, you know, wherever you guys are listening to this, iTunes, wherever, I thank you for checking it out. Sometimes things happen because she is living her best life um, by the water right now, by the beach, if our memory serves correct. And I don't want to have a whole bunch of dead air, but I will have links in the description. You guys can go check out Diversified Game online as well. Um, iHeart, iTunes, wh wherever you want to go, uh, YouTube, all that, kick up those numbers, share the game, but you guys have been blessed with the game. Make sure you share this with someone. It will change their life. Be blessed, y'all. Hi, guys. I'm Kai Gabiam from the Diaspora Channel, a lover of Africa. If you love Africa as well, and you would love to visit one day, or to relocate to Africa, there is a course out there for you. And this course is my first trip to Africa, a course well put together by a seasoned traveler, Kellen Cash Coleman. This course is designed to prepare you to travel better, which will save you both time and money and the great news is this course cost only 20 dollars guys it can't get any better go right now and enroll to this course at www 
davidcfygame.com. Don't miss out.